Hello and welcome to episode 862 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, November 10th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. I mean, if you say so, it is freezing. You know I don't mess with that, so I'm sorry to hear that you're dealing with some uh, with some cold. We've actually gotten some cold here, but uh, for the most part, it's kind of pushed back a little bit to where there's like a little chill in the air, but uh, certainly manageable, and I know that Probably weather that's right up your alley. It's not too, not too cold here. But the hot stove hasn't quite picked up yet, right? <laughs> Do we think and now it will? We're kinda, uh, I don't know. It's going to be wild. We'll get more into it soon. Um, right now, I don't think we need to. Um, we're going to keep doing our position preview. But I'm going to ask you about something that isn't super fantasy baseball related, but uh, beyond shocking to me. Tony Larusa. What the hell? Uh I I don't know. For those who don't know, real quick. <laughs> not just talking about the, the signing of him, which I think the way I just set it up would work just for the signing of him in general, because I didn't think and, it, and the firing. <laughs> yeah, firing Rick Rendria again. If he doesn't hate the city of Chicago for the rest of his life, then I just I don't understand. Um, but you know, bringing in Lurusa, okay, weird. Like, I didn't think it's the worst thing ever, but I was just kind of like, why? Then we find out yesterday he got charged with a DUI uh, a week ago, a week and a half ago, October twenty eighth. It was yeah, the day before they announced the signing. He had gotten a DUI in February. Correct. Um, and if I had known that it takes ten months to, or nine months to, you know, get charged with a DUI, I would have moved down there when I was drinking, for sure. I mean, how do you still hire him? And just as a general point, this man needs some help. This is the second one he's gotten in old age, by the way, in older age. That that other one. Um, when he fell asleep at the intersection, mm-hmm. was in the 2000s. I'm not sure exactly what year. Okay, so this is an established problem, and I've I've got big issues. I've got I've got big issues with with uh, with drunk drivers. There, there's just no excuse for it. Um, there's no excuse. No, 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 no excuse for it. There's even less of an excuse for it when you're rich. Mm-hmm. Because well, and in today's age with Uber and exactly, Lyft, I mean, exactly. The thing of it is, there's not even an excuse before that though, because cabs have always been a thing. But even yep. if you want to like give a shred of an excuse of like cabs are more difficult now with all the rideshare, it's it's just nothing. Then you throw in that he's rich. Do you not have a single friend who would come along for the ride and just not drink? Like all. Of I that. mean, you know, and I don't want to be. I don't want to throw stones at glass houses because, I mean, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Uh, I have gotten my fair share of DUIs uh, back when I was drinking. Um, and, you know, when when you're in that kind of state, you're just not thinking about other people. Um, Clearly. And but so, how many does he get before we start throwing the stones, though? I thought yeah, one would be enough to start I, throwing the stones. I just don't know how this doesn't disqualify you. I mean, this to me That's, seems like... Uh, an out-of-touch billionaire running a franchise because they just don't think about 
like how things look. He, yeah. he just wanted to hire his buddy. Um, well, and here's the interesting thing. I, I remembered obviously that he Larusa worked for the White Sox previously, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, did Reinsdorf hire him? Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the White Sox, he did not hire him, but he did fire him, and mm-hmm. he actually made Hawk Harrelson do it. <laughs> so maybe to keep the friendship going. And so you talk about like the idea of you know bringing his buddy back. Maybe they are still chummy, and he just says, you know what? No, nah, he made a mistake. You know, the, it's easy to write it off when it's like your friend of like, oh, you know, it's just a mistake. No, no, no. This is so stupid. This is so bad. I can't believe that they knew about it and they're just like, yeah, no, we'll go ahead and go through with this. And I just can't I, believe I, someone didn't like stand up to Reinsdorf and be like, hey, aside from the DUI stuff, like, is this, why? you've got a young, fun team. Yeah. Uh, that is very socially conscious, especially with a guy like Tim Anderson on it. And mm-hmm. you're going to bring in a crusty old guy who hasn't managed in, what, 10 years? And. It's 11, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and has made it very clear he doesn't think people should be kneeling during the national anthem. Uh, that, uh, you know, whether or not you personally agree with that or not. Um, like the team doesn't isn't it at odds with the team mm-hmm. and the dynamic. league is trying to push you know and maybe not everybody you know mm-hmm. not, we're not going to impress uh Tim's beliefs on everybody but we're going to allow him have, to state his beliefs exactly and they have some young so like you said socially active guys on the squad I, none of it makes sense before the DUI you throw mm-hmm. in the DUI and I am just dumbfounded by this I can't believe it. And news today is it it puts him in no danger of losing his job. Yeah. They're they're just they're they're just riding along with it. Yeah. I mean this is yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Cut, cut to a shot of Carlos Beltran, like, geez. Yeah. <laughs> and hired by the wrong team. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just wanted to bring it up real quick. It's not fantasy related, but should we talk it, about it, Alex Cora being rehired and AJ Hinch being hired? Yeah, we can actually talk about that too. Yeah, little, little managerial carousel here. Um, do you have an issue with that? By the way, uh, AJ Hinch to, to my beloved Tigers and Alex Cora back to the Red Sox. That one shocks me. That it's just like one year and we're going to bring them back. Um, I, I asked you the question, but I'll say uh, out front, I don't have an issue with them coming back. I don't either. Um, I think they were given a suspension. Uh, they served that time. Uh, yep. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's you know the idea of what a justice system is supposed to be. It's supposed to punish and rehabilitate. And uh, I mean, obviously, they didn't do much rehabilitating or anything, but sure. they they serve their time. They should be given another chance. Now, I think if they break the same or a similar rule i think oh. there's a lifetime ban coming it's it's uh it's swift and quick if anything any shenanigans come up cheating wise under the helm uh, of these two gentlemen at this point it is firmly out of the game john capolola style uh for hinch and cora but yeah i've got no problem with either coming back again the core back to the red sox is a little shocking in that you know did they just fire him for the optics of it then? Mm-hmm. And just really want I think him back. they were probably forced to. Yeah, because it's it seems that they were to turn around and then bring him bring him right back the following year. Um, which again, you know, again, I'm I'm not mad about. It. I'm just I'm more surprised. But then it, it shows how little they probably wanted to do that 
if they were able to, you know, if they were willing to bring him back that quickly. Um, and as far as the Tigers go, I actually didn't have any problems with Ron Gardenhire, not just helming in the, the youth movement, but even sticking around beyond that. I find him to be perfectly capable. Um, like, you know, I don't think he's a top manager, but I also don't think he's some stick in the mud who, who actively hurts his squad. But then health became an issue. And that's why he moved on late last year. Didn't even finish out the season like yeah, the last four that or five was, games. That was weird. I, I mean, I hope he's okay. It just exactly. There was like became, nine days left in the season or something, and he quit. Yeah, that uh, became who cares about baseball. Yeah, let's hope he's all right. And so, you know, obviously they were looking for somebody. So to go with Hinch, I, I'm I'm here for it as a Tigers fan. I, I really am. So uh, I'm fine with both of them getting jobs back. And and look, you might not agree with what their punishment was, but like you said. They served the punishment that they were given, and if you thought that they weren't coming back, you were fooling yourself. Yeah, I um, just, uh, I just, you know, I'm upset the Giants didn't hire either of them. Like, we're stuck with Gabe Kapler for another year. Gabe Kapler, uh, he made y'all a little competitive. Guys oh, were in the mix. He's so bad, man. <laughs> Guys were in the mix. I, I, I got to be honest, in I didn't follow him this year. Uh, I, I really didn't. Um, uh, his after- bullpen usage is just. I mean, and not like we've got like any you know real studs in the bullpen, but yeah, he's just one of those guys. It seems like he picks the wrong move every time. <laughs> um, how much autonomy does he have to do that with Farhan Zaidi there? No idea. Just, you know that that's I always wonder some of that, and yeah, you know, that came to the fore with with the Blake Snell situation with Tampa Bay and. And what Kevin Cash is able to—I I imagine they have—they have stuff. Some I don't think it's completely written out of like, in the sixth inning you'll bring in this guy, mm. in the eighth inning it'll be this guy. Um, I don't know. I'm rooting for Kapler. I, I am, but I. I like Me I said, too. I'd like to see the Giants be good. Yeah. So I'd like that. I like to see them try and capitalize on what's likely going to be a soft market. Yeah, and that's. I was actually talking about this on my stream, and, and we'll do like a free agency preview. Um, this is actually going to be a two-parter on on second base. Maybe next Tuesday mm-hmm. we do a little free agent preview before things get kicking and where we'd like to see some guys land and things like that because it's going to be really interesting. And the pool that you thought it was going to be thickened with the uh, with with the declining of a lot of options. And, and we'll continue to. Exactly. I think it'll it'll continue to get deep. But let's get into second base. Uh, like I said, it will be a two-parter because this position is deep, dude. Holy smokes. You put together a ranking. I was just going through and, and putting together the rundown and realizing it. You put the ranking together. We got on the horn. And then the first thing you said was, dude, this is deep. I was like, you're not kidding. There's no way we're going to be able to talk about all these guys outside of doing a two-parter. So now that we're doing a two-parter, we'll be able to get into uh, more of these players because there's just a lot to talk about. There's some there's some talent globs, too, to where, I mean, you could go through some of these drafts where some of these guys don't get drafted, and you're like, how do he go undrafted? Well, it's just the depth of the position. But let's start at the top, of course. Doesn't quite have the uh, super-duper stars the way we see in at, at first base, but it does have some star talent. And mm-hmm. those first three guys, Ozzy Albies, DJ LeMahieu, Whit Merrifield. By the way, this is loosely off of ADP for the first couple groupings, but then it starts to break down to where I started to fit them into um, 
my little my little categories there. Mm-hmm. So, um, Albies, LeMayhew, Merrifield are, are are the stars here. Do you agree with them being the top three? Um, yeah, I think there is a discussion to be had that there's really kind of a top six. Uh, with uh, Lau, Torres, and Biggio coming in next? Torres isn't uh, oh, isn't second yeah, base eligible. I, I didn't check that one. Pardon me. Sismata does the sheet, but I think he pulls he's, in. Yeah, he, yeah, he's got last year's uh, eligibility. Okay, okay, that's what it is. I wasn't sure if that was Fantrax's mm-hmm. or what. Pardon me. Let me delete Mr. Glaber Torres there. So then are you bringing in Keston Hira? Yeah. So okay. I, th- I think there's kind of a top six. Well, the reason I broke it up, though, is it's, it's 31, 35, 43, mm-hmm. and then 60, 64, 67. Oh, oh, wait. Get rid of Torres. So 60, 67, 70. That's fair. So enough. I thought that there was a little bit of a split there between them. But it, it is – like, they're a strong group there. So mm-hmm. let's focus on these, these first three first, the kind of established veteran guys. Then the other three are kind of up-and-comer types as well um, as, as still being early rounders. Between Albies, LeMahieu, Merrifield, with their ADPs being pretty close, Merrifield a little bit behind them, who do you prefer at their at their price? Oh, I, I think it's Albies is my number one guy. Uh, I like all three. Um, you know, one of yeah. the things I mentioned to you before we started recording that I'll mention right now is uh, it's, it's like an episode of Oprah's show. Like, you get multi-position <laughs> eligibility. You get multiple. Like, yeah. NFBC, and if your league is using the NFBC guidelines, uh, which I believe is eight games? Seven or eight, eight games? Eight, yeah. eight games. Um, there are, everybody has multi-position eligibility uh, at second base. So It's wild. And you and I like to value that pretty highly. Mm-hmm. With everybody having it, and, and damn near everybody here, we're not being hyperbolic. There are no. so many guys that we're going to go through. In fact, in your top 20, there's only one, two, three, four, five who don't have an extra yeah. position. Several who have more than one extra position, more than one extra position. So it, it is wild there, which will cut into the value of that. It's still nice to have, though. Third base um, oh. is the same way. I mean, it's... Um, I think, and and you know, and first and short have a lot too. I think what it's going to mean is we we may want to start pushing up outfielders. Uh, ah, that's a good call. So, and I think I'm going to do an article where I compare multi-positional eligibility uh, around different formats because I'm I'm already in th- three different leagues that are using three different eligibility requirements for next yeah, year. Yeah, th- there's there's a good piece to be written on eligibility. In general, and and um, what thresholds might bring in what players? Mm-hmm. Um, no, well, Albies is the one out of this group who doesn't have it, and yet he's both of our number ones. I still think we have not seen the best of Albies. I think I agree. Uh, everything that we've seen has been good, and including back-to-back twenty-four uh, homer teen stolen base seasons, fourteen and fifteen respectively, and eighteen and nineteen. Um, and and even with that, we have not seen his best. I think there's, I don't know, like a 30-25 mm-hmm. season there. I, I still think he's not running as much as he can mm-hmm. uh, for Albies. So uh, he can be 24 next year. Talk to me a bit about why you have him at the, at the top there. You, you said you agree that we haven't seen the best of him. What, uh, explain what you think he can do. 
I mean, he's still super, super young. He's going to be 24 uh, entering the season. Uh, and, yeah, I, I know that the injury really kind of derailed him uh, last year. Uh, and he the, did have the, kind of yeah. a uh, slow uh, start. That's a debate, by the way. How long do we say last year versus yeah. this year? <laughs> My cutoff is usually the new year. Yeah, okay. So this still. year, he, uh, <laughs> this, 2020, he, uh, you know, injuries, you know, gave him only a half season. He only played yeah. 29 games. Uh, but prior to that, I mean, he had been super consistent in terms of 24 home runs and 15 stolen bases. And I just think that there is a really nice high floor. Uh, yeah. There with a ton of potential to grow, and uh, I mean he's he's on a young, fun team that's just going to get better as they add more talent. Uh, I, yeah, I do think there is a chance that we see a thirty twenty season from him, and I do think that uh, there's a real chance that he like puts that together with like a two eighty two ninety batting average at some point. It may not be twenty twenty one, but um, it's coming. Hell, I think he, you know, in a dream season, he's hitting well over 300 as well for Albies. Like that's mm -hmm. that's the thing. Like the 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 full on uh, Albies performance is so good. It's so good. It's like it's like a 320, 30, 20 type of deal with a hundred, a hundred, or, or or maybe not quite a hundred ribbies, depending on how that lineup goes uh, with him batting at the top, but. Very, very, very good. So I love Albies. Uh, we mentioned that we, we like all three here, though. LeMahieu, Merrifield. We talked a little bit about LeMahieu at first base. I think I asked you on that episode is, is if first base is his best deployment, which seems weird because you usually want that high, high impact power, uh, which he had, he's not quite there. I mean, he had 10 homers in these 50 games. He had 26 in 145 last year. So, you know, he's, he's not devoid of power. He's on about a 30... 30 uh 30 homer average for a full season but i i i still i still think that looking at the depth of second base that only makes me more convicted that i think first base is the best place to put lemayhu right now yeah i think that first base is likely a spot you could end up putting him i mean the nice thing about him and apparently everybody else in in fantasy next year is just getting those multi-positional eligible guys gives you a lot of freedom to move things around you know when things do go wrong when you, when you have an injury if they're you know if we're still dealing with covid issues going into next summer uh there you know it just having that added flexibility this year for me was so key in having a successful season yeah uh, because you know oh the entire cardinals team can't play <laughs> which means the entire brewers team can't play yep. uh now okay i've got the flexibility to move around a bunch of guys uh, and and See, and make it a little bit easier on myself. And and you're getting at the value that I take from it more. The draft value is nice to kind of keep you flexible in the draft to make sure that you can get whomever you want mm -hmm. at, at at any spot. But the but the real value, as far as I'm concerned, is that in season flexibility to maneuver for whomever you want, and that way you're always in on the top free agent because you can finagle guys around if, if it happens to be a third baseman this week. Okay, I can move this guy here, this guy here. They become all these chess pieces that you can move around and make sure, hey, I've got a spot for the best guy. So I'm 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 still in on on the best guys every week. So I like that aspect of it. Whit Merrifield had a weird season in that um 
I think it was kind of under the radar, and his, his OPS mm-hmm. dropped down from 811 and 806 the two previous years down to a pretty bland 764. Uh, batting average dipped to 282, and yet he hit nine homers and had 12 steals. Like, he was still really good, and I think it was kind of quiet based on, A, being on the Royals. M- most of their seasons were quiet, unless it was uh, Alberto Mondesi making a fool out of us. Um <laughs> I was looking at him the other day, like roasting him in like early slash mid September was viable, like which I was doing. And then this like 15 game run he went on to just completely flip his stat line. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I'm not taking an L on him by any stretch of the imagination because how many teams, especially in shallower formats, which most people play, most people aren't playing 15 team leagues like we are. Correct. Uh, how many people Still held have. on to him to that point? I agree. He was atrocious. I, I, put, I put him in a cut article, and I don't regret it at all. By um, And this is Albert Demondesi we're talking about. Sorry to take mm-hmm. us on a tangent. But by September 3rd, he was hitting 179, 209, 231. Mm-hmm. There was no reason to keep him. Except in you know deeper league, if you if you had to keep the stolen bases. Uh, but I don't even think it would have been out of bounds to cut him in some deeper leagues. But then he just went on this stupid run. Like, it was an unreal last 22 games, 376, 424. Just enough to sucker everybody back in, including yep. myself, who's already taken him in a draft. Unbelievable. You, 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 you're a traitor to us. <laughs> Mon- <laughs> I, no, I was, like, the first person in on Mondesi. <laughs> back to Merrifield. Um, first at the position on the on the Rasball Player Raider. So, like I said, that's what I mean by quietly mm-hmm. doing his thing there. I don't think many felt like it was a position-leading performance, but then you look at it, everything was there. The average was a little bit lower, but the homers at, at 9 and the steals at 12, 38 runs, 30 ribbies. Is he a bit underrated? He's a lot bit underrated. Um, I mean, this is a guy that, yeah, we may not be getting back the like the 45 stolen bases, uh, that we got in 2018, but I also don't think it's completely out of the question. I mean, he he stole yeah. 12 uh, in 60, so like I think we're looking at a guy who should be what he was kind of in 2017 when he hit 19 home runs and stole 34 bases to hit 288. Uh, I mean, you said That's the average point. dip, but do you know what the the Major League Baseball batting average as a whole oh, was last year? That's the thing. It was very much in line with 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 that me, me, making his 282 still very strong yeah. was was the league average like i don't know 228 or some crap no it was higher than that but 245 okay. so i mean we're talking about you know a guy who's you know hitting 40 points higher than that more than likely uh with the potential obviously i mean he hit 300 in the previous two seasons in 2020 so uh yeah i mean i think there's reasons to put him as the number one or number two second baseman. And I, I it, wouldn't have a problem with anybody doing that. I can't argue with any way that you would put Albies, LeMay, Hugh Merrifield. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to agree with that order right there. But the differences are are non-existent, really. Mm-hmm. I, I think that their ADPs should be even tighter, wherein Merrifield shouldn't even be eight spots behind LeMay, on ADP. And... Yeah. That alone, if it holds, might make Merrifield my guy just to take the cheapest one. 
especially if he's half a round cheaper. Which uh, means um, I should take I should take an L in this conversation, uh, and that was I did not think Mike Matheny was going to run his team as much as he did. They were fourth in the majors last year, tied for fourth in majors uh, in stolen bases. So uh, obviously Matheny's uh, being allowed to let his guys just push on the base paths, which is what he should do with the team as it's constructed. C- certainly, yeah. That that's the thing. He would have had no business not to, but sometimes trusting him to do mm-hmm. the obvious thing or, or, or what we believe in this case to be the right thing is difficult. But uh, but he did it. And he did some other good things, too. Like he moved Mondesi down in the lineup when it was going awry. In, in perfect 2020 fashion, uh, I had times where I was supporting Mike Matheny in articles and and on the pod like hey he's doing the right thing here like wait a minute what literally everything just off its rocker in 2020 and and that that was uh no different the fact that mike matheny was uh was drawing support from me which uh is is very rare uh but yeah so those are the those are the top dogs there those are the top three stars moving down to your other guys there that you you have right there with them plus another one actually no this one's probably not going to qualify either then no Marte no, Marte, Marte does qualify okay okay so my next four are um the, the early rounders, Brandon Lau, Kevin Biggio, Keston Hira, and Cattell Marte. And we're going to take them in order as well. Let's start with Brandon Lau, who had – he fit a trend of a lot of folks, including the two prime Rookie of the Year candidates uh, from the American League that we saw yesterday, wherein started off on just a torrid pace and then sputtered to the finish line. And then for a while, it actually continued in the playoffs until he got – got things going a bit i uh he had a better september than i thought though it wasn't quite as bad as kyle lewis and, and Luis roberts uh september they they were legitimately bad i i guess i didn't realize that lao had that he had a little flourish to finish he had 310 375 448 in the final nine games but uh his september to that point had been quite rough down at a 233 average and so um i thought he sputtered a little bit more than that but but by but the bottom line is he was on fire. He, he definitely came off of that that insane pace. Through April uh, through August 29th, he had a 10-10 OPS and he finished at at 916. So he shaved nearly a hundred points off the OPS to have a still excellent season, make no mistake about it. But uh with Brandon Lau, do you put him you said you have those six to kind of together there, but ADP doesn't match that. Um so are you taking Lau over any of the other three, or are you, is he clearly four there? I think he is clearly four for me. So I just, I mean, <laughs> stat cast hero type guy, love what he can do defensively. Yeah. Uh, the Rays do platoon almost everybody, but he played 56 of the 60 games. So like, Yeah, he got burned. Yeah, he got he got burned. He lowered his strikeout rate, raised his walk rate. Uh, yeah, he's just, I think, uh, and still, I think, has the outfield eligibility, uh, which is great. Uh, especially, uh, especially, yeah, he does. Um, uh, especially, like I said, almost everybody in the infield has multi-positional eligibility, but it's not quite the same in the outfield. So, uh, so I think we would like Lau as an outfielder a bit mm-hmm. more again going back to the best deployment he was my like number two outfielder in that draft and hold that i did 
I, I love him. I'm a big fan of this guy. He's got he's got the full uh, skill set. Well, not quite batting average. Like he's capable. Going back to your point about 245 being league average, he hit 269, which was very nice. But um, you got the big power on a quality team and throws in some speed. It's not overwhelming, but he is eight for eight over the last two seasons there. And he had 52 games in 2019, um, an injury stunted him. And then the 56 this year uh, to where, you know, he had three stolen bases this year, five last. So, you know, you're going to probably get uh, your full season capability is going to probably be somewhere in the eight to 10 range. Um, But it's clear that he knows when to make the right decisions. I wouldn't even be surprised about a spike in the 12 to 15 range. You're not betting on that, but I think it's, it's in there for a while if you were to find the opportunities and, and decide to take them. Where I really like the upside, though, is that pop. I think this is a 30-plus homer bat. And so that's what I really, really like about Lau. I like the double eligibility. He's my number four as well. I do put a cut between those first three and him um, as the ADP does, but probably not as stark as the ADP does. It jumps down from Merrifield at 43 to Lau at 60. I probably got Lau somewhere in the 50s. I haven't done like a one-to-whatever list because um, I don't draft that way. I, I draft by position anyway. But if I were to do one, I, I feel like just off the top of my head, Lau would probably be closer to the 50s. So we really like him a lot. And um, I think he's, like you said, one of the few guys in Tampa Bay who can get that full-time burn. Uh, let's move over to Toronto and Kevin Biggio. I think he kind of did his thing this year. He came in with fanfare. And I think he just quietly did his thing. And so I don't want to say it went under the radar because like his draft spot's still very high and everything. But he certainly didn't raise his price, I don't think. Uh, with his eight homers, six stolen bases in 59 games, 28 ribbies, 41 runs, 250 average, 375 OBP. You like a 125-point difference there. That is fantastic. And then a 432 slug. Um what, what what's what's a full season look like from him? Are you doing the easy thing and adding his two seasons? Because now that's 159 games. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Kind of, kind of perfect. And he went 24-20 with the 240 average. Are, mm-hmm. are you doing that or, or are you refining it? And I'm like, what, what what do you think a full season of Kevin Biggio looks like? I think that actually that is pretty close to fair. I mean, looking at maybe like a 2018 season to 45 batting average like the fact that he cut the walk rate uh you know five and a half percent in uh in, in 2020 uh it'll be interesting to see cause, i mean i assume they're not gonna be playing in buffalo but who knows you never know yeah we, but it's not like roger center is a bad place to hit. it's a great place to hit so uh i think you know this is a guy that I think he has done it a little bit under the radar because the Blue Jays have all these other stars that people are paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's kind of like the number three guy uh, on on the list of his own team uh, when he probably should be the number two guy. Like He, he, he has been a better fantasy asset than Vlad. Uh, and I know we'll get into like the Vlad best shape of his life stuff, but yeah, I'm just yeah, not going to pay big. the price that other people are going to pay. <laughs> I think he's even lower than that. Because uh, you're, you're talking about with, with Vlad and Bichette. Mm-hmm. I think Gurriel Jr. is 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 above him. And oh, wow. Maybe, 
Maybe even Teoscar. Oh, yeah, Teoscar probably definitely is. Uh, Guriel Jr., you know, he had kind of an underrated, or, you know, under... Uh, yeah, underrated season too. He he was really good. Uh, I well. I love him. That, that's that's one of my guys he's, there. I really like him. This this lineup is filthy, and so I'm down. Like average I'm age down. of fourteen. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm down to take Biggio. I saw something interesting, and it actually makes some sense. I I, I don't know that it was like a, a rumor for that. It was more of an article suggesting that maybe they should consider uh, George Springer because they don't have a true center fielder really. Yeah, I saw an article uh, saying that they should go and sign LeMahieu, like I said the at the first base episode. Again, I you brought that up, and I was like, that would be so bananas. Like, mm-hmm. that team. If, if that I'm office. a team like Toronto or a team like uh, the White Sox, like a team like the Braves, and I am just loaded with young talent, like, this is the time right now to go get some of these guys that'll fill out my team for the next, you know, five and years. Either or. LeMahieu, if, if you need infield, Springer, if you need outfield. I think this is the year, and they can be in the mix on these guys, I think, without having to commit the the, the seven, eight-year type of stuff that we see from from free agency at times because of the, the weird COVID year. Uh, I think these these year counts are going to come down, and it's going to bring the mid markets more into play. And I mean, that would just be so bananas if they signed either of them in terms of deepening the Blue Jays' uh, lineup there. And Biggio's up at the top, and the batting averages are a little light fantasy wise. They're about average, uh, going back to your point. And that, I'm going to keep beating that point home. We'll probably a couple more times this episode, just because we look at some of these batting averages and we're like, oh, that stinks, and it's like. They, that's not as bad as you think. You've got to be focused on where that league average is at and appreciate some of these batting averages more. But to the point with Biggio, the OBP is always like at least 100 points higher. It was 125 points higher this year. And that's going to keep him scoring runs even if the average isn't quite where you want it. So I really like him as well. They also and, uh, have Jordan Groshans in the minors. And, and he's... Yeah, they have- He's going to be ready pretty soon, so it wouldn't be surprising for them to go get a guy like Springer and just be like, okay, Groshans will be up midseason. How is that even fair that they've got, they've still got more talent coming? And they actually put together some pitching, too, and, you know, some of it got hurt. But, uh, yeah, they, I think they remain a competitive ball club there in Toronto, and I like Biggio a lot. Uh, Keston Hira did have the fanfare coming in. To the point where I found him to be wildly overrated, and uh, I didn't quite see this sort of fall off with a 212 average. Now he still hit 13 homers and stole three bases, so it wasn't a, a total loss from fantasy by any stretch. In fact, he was still a top 10 guy coming in at ninth. But that average plummet that hurt. That hurt. And the thing that kept bothering me about about his ADP, which seemed to only go up, up, and up uh, coming into 20, was nobody seemed to be talking enough about the BABIP strikeout rate combo. The 402 BABIP combined with the 31% strikeout rate, something's got to give there. And It's because he the had strikeout- these huge BABIPs in the minors. And so people went, well, no, this is a guy who runs— He didn't strike a- out like that. Yeah, 
And I know some people thought that his strikeout rate could improve. Uh, a, a point that I made myself, I said, you know, I could see him improving the strikeout rate, getting a bit closer to his minor league numbers. But instead, it went the other way up to 35%. The BABIP did predictably come down, probably further than than you would normally expect for somebody of his skills profile down to 273. Part of that is because, uh, you know, a third of his home, uh, of his hits were homers. Not quite a third, but just under with 13 homers and 46 hits. And so that's bringing the BABIP even lower there. But it was a little bit of a disjointed season. The market is not panicked, though, as Keston here is still a top 70 pick. How do you feel about uh, Keston here going into 2021 now? I mean, I'm, I, I'm a fan. And as much as I was fading him at his price coming into uh, 2019, or 2020, <laughs> I don't it was like know what year it is. Right? It was like he's 70 from mm-hmm. 2021. He was in like the 35 to 40 range, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, as much as I was fading that, uh, uh, I think now this is, I mean, this is the kind of guy I like. It's a guy that, uh, you know, the batting average is going to vary year to year. Uh, he hits the ball hard, so sometimes he is going to get the bad bit luck. Uh, but I'm going to buy him on the downswing. We know he's got power, we know he's got speed, he's on a team that'll run. Uh, and so, like, I think there is a, you know, I, I think he has the potential to be that Ozzy Albies without the batting average kind of guy. Um, and if you're a guy who tends to fade batting average to begin with, like I do, uh, then that's fine. Yeah, he was going 48th. And, uh, yeah, you're looking for that power-speed combo. And, and hoping to spike something batting average-wise. I don't think he's going to hit 212 again. Uh, I do think he'll start to refine his approach a bit, Keston Hero will. Um, and then you kind of, again, smashing the two seasons that he has together, uh, coming up with 594 plate appearances, which is about a season. 32 homers, 12 steals, 266 average. I mean, that plays. That plays very well. Even if you bring the average down another, say, 10 points. Um to you know count for the fact that he was way over his head in 19 and you want to take the more of the pessimistic view you'd still take that i mean you'd take like 28 10 and a 255 pretty easily as well from keston here so um as long as the defense doesn't become a problem true but second base at least is is the right spot and you know Right now, and we're going to have to bring it up a few times until it gets set, we don't have NLDH yet. Mm-hmm. I absolutely it's think it's happen. going to be bargained for yeah. to where they're going to get it back. Um, but it, it's currently not, so we have to at least put that out there, that it, we could have a season where it isn't. I assume it's going to be, and that would also still be a spot for... If it got that bad for Hira, I think he, he could go into some DH get off the field a little bit here and there. Uh, but I don't, I I don't, I don't say think from quite there yet. Kind of off topic, but kind of on topic with what you were just saying. A lot of guys that are UT only. Oh, yeah. That, speaking of an article, I'm actually doing an article on that, um, on, on guys who are UT only, because that, that pool got a lot more robust with the NLDH coming in um, and the shortened season. It, it's it's going to change a lot of things. So that's going to be uh, interesting there for sure. Let's move from Keston here to Cattell Marte, who had just a a down season. Like, it was just bad. 
It was just bad. It did not uh, pan out at all. He did not back up the excellence that we saw last year in 19. He was down to the 39th second baseman. I mean, he, he was behind David Bodie, for crying out loud, who we're not even going to talk about on part two. Like, I don't find him really worth getting into for that. And uh, that's that's how far down Marte was. Two homers, one steal, 287 average. Hey, not a bad batting average. Uh, 17 ribbies, 19 runs. I believe, was there a shoulder issue? There was a bat coming into the year, and then I believe a shoulder. Uh, but I just don't think he was healthy. I think that's yeah, what it is. I was going to say, think, hard not to think that the health profile played a big role mm-hmm. here. Yeah. I, I th- yeah, I think he was just not healthy from the get-go because uh, the speed evaporated, the power evaporated. I mean, he still hit for average, but, I mean, this is a guy that he was already not striking out uh, very much, 13.7% in 2019, dropped that to 10.8, and so as I scroll down to some of his bad at ball numbers, yeah, he just stopped swinging as much. <laughs> um and I, I mean that, yeah. He's trying to I, take walks. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, it's kind of what it looked like, right? Well, not necessarily trying to take walks uh, because I mean he only walked three and a half percent of the time. But well, I, th- I think, but I, I, I think he was trying to like be overly patient, and they were attacking him because they mm-hmm, weren't afraid of true. Marte at that point. So yeah, yeah, he didn't get the walks, but I think he was going up there like I'm going to be more passive, mm-hmm. and uh, they're like, well, we're not afraid of you, dude. We're gonna. I mean, the speed score is a thing that. Uh, is interesting to me, and I'm, I'm going to go over and check out his uh, his Savant page real quick and see what his uh, what his uh, sprint speed was. Gotcha, uh, twenty seven seven, seventieth percentile. I mean, so I mean, I want to say that he was he's been a guy though in the past that has been uh, much very, higher than that. Yes, it was seventy uh, third last year, but then eighty seventh and ninety fifth percentile. Uh, the two years before that in 18 and 17, respectively. He's certainly shown real speed mm-hmm. that that was left on the table, so to speak. It didn't really translate into fantasy goodness. You know, this is a guy that kind of gets associated. Uh, you know, sometimes fa- players get associated with fantasy analysts. Uh, Cattell Marte was always like a Todd Zola guy. <laughs> still, yeah. but, it was, but it was for speed. So even when he broke out in, in 19, Todd's like, yeah, I mean, that that's my guy. But it's like it's like got the answer right but when you show the work it it it, it was it wasn't the work that i showed because <laughs> i was going for speed you know he, he freely admitted that um and now with the speed declining a bit is it ever going to translate i just wonder if he was unwilling to run or run as hard because he was dealing with injury issues true um, and he had a little bit of that in 19 as well mm-hmm. uh that might have also contributed since 19 yep. also had the lower speed. I, I do wonder that as well. He'll be 27. It's not exactly your speed is gone at that point. Yeah. Uh, so, but we haven't seen more than 11 stolen bases. That's That's been the max from, from Marte. So I do wonder what exactly we should be becomes, expecting. Like, I've got him currently, I think it's my eighth uh, second baseman. He loses outfield eligibility, which is a bummer. I yep. could easily drop him six, seven, eight spots, and I may, uh, just because you want some level of safety. And while the batting average was good last year, um, 
that's all he offered. And he's on a team that isn't as good as we thought they were going to be. Uh, you know, they tr- they traded his... Oh, they were brutal, dude. Yeah. I, c- I couldn't believe how terrible they were. I expected... I had some, some plans for the Diamondbacks, and they were god-awful. Mm-hmm. So, so his ADP is still at, at 78, though. Yeah, like, there's no way I could touch that. Like, yeah, why, uh, why is the market still so... Bo- I mean... At one point, at one point, I respect it. Like they're not just going to throw them out after a lost forty-five games. But damn, I was kind of hoping for a little bit of a discount. But it makes I, it so that I can't maybe buy. The, maybe the idea is, oh, he was injured; he'll be healthy coming in. Well, he was injured in at the end of twenty nineteen, and then he was still yeah. injured. Like as much as I like Marte, and I do like Marte a lot as a player, uh, I just can't put him on my fantasy team and then get four home runs from him. Like, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you, we can excuse it with some injury caveat. I think that's completely fair. But what I thought maybe the market was going to say is, well, well, 19 was a fluke. Let's move him way down. Um, and instead they, they held pretty steady on him. Um, the barrel rate cratered from 9% to 4%. Sweet spot percentage from 34 to 29%. Hard hit rate actually was held firm 40 to 40 according to savant so um it was really more about what he was doing when he was hitting it hard i think that sweet spot percentage dip and the barrel dip tell a lot of the story of why the power was just gone from Marte. but uh yeah i think there's too much risk here the depth of this position makes it so i can't really draft him. i take any of the next five over Marte. yeah i i think i'm gonna drop him considerably actually so Let's move into the solid vets. And uh, it's a good solid group here. They didn't all perform in 20, but uh, there's there's a reasonable expectation for all of them. It's Max Muncy, Jose Altuve, Jeff McNeil, Jonathan VR, and Mike Moustakis. Um, let's start with Muncy. My boy. Yeah, I love Muncy. I was big on him coming in and got him in a bunch of spots. And, you know, he was pretty bland. He kind of had a Matt Olson type season where the batting average was really bad, 192. But he hit for enough power that I was able to work around it. I didn't have him as a big batting average guy anyway. Obviously, I expected more than 192. 192 but, is uh, a killer. Let's not let's yeah. not like oh. hit or batter around it. It was brutal, and I mean he yeah. was on every team of mine pretty much. Uh, it, uh, it, I mean, for you though, it shouldn't have been that big of an issue since you no. kind of build teams like that. Um, you know, he still finished top 20 at the position, and and. So that helped, you know. That it, it wasn't destroying your teams, though. At least that's not the experience I had. Um, that batting average stung for sure. I needed to kind of overcome that, and you know, there were some teams where I had a batting average uh, overperformer that kind of offset him, and then we were working from there. And there were other teams where I had Matt Olson as well, and so I had both guys just hitting sub 200 with the power. He still had 12 homers, 27 ribbies, 36 runs on that Dodgers squad. I'm undeterred by this. Uh, I feel like this is a situation where Muncie would have uh, worked his way through it in a full season. Instead, we got two months and we got stuck with the 192. Um, I don't think this is at all who he is. A 203 Babbitt tells a lot of the story there, and I, I, I do think that there is some some bad luck tied to that because there is not anything egregious in his batted ball profile that suggests that he deserved that, except that the line drive rate cratered to 14%. But he's a career 20%. He was at 21 and 24 the last two years. I feel like that would have leveled out at least back up to the uh, 18 to 20 range 
for Muncie and brought his bab up up with it. So I, like I said, am undeterred here. I'm I'm drafting him again in 21. Well, and I think one of the parts that you can kind of grasp onto is you go and look what he did in the playoffs, where he hit 250, yes. 438. Uh, 467 with three home runs. I mean, it's, that's pretty much kind of what you expect him to be, right? That's ex- exactly the so, guy that we were hoping to get. So, I, I mean, I think he ends up kind of... And, I mean, he was doing that against the best competition in, you know, in Major yeah. League Baseball. It wasn't... And he, he, he didn't he get to face the Giants. Round. Yeah, he you know, didn't get to face, you know, the, the <laughs> crappy pitching uh, or play in Colorado or do any of those things. So, uh, I, I think that uh, Muncie's going to be fine, and he keeps first, second, third mm-hmm. as well. So I'm, I'm totally which here for I mean, him. not as valuable again this year, like like we've been mentioning sure. throughout the show, uh, and so that's why he, you know, isn't in those you know first few groups for me, uh, just because he's you know it, it's it's a there's no speed or very very little speed uh, to speak of. Uh, didn't you know, it stole one base? You know, in 2024 and in 2019, so yeah, not, it's all about power and in in the uh, counting categories. But there, but there is a bit of a uh, a bit a bit of a discount. There's about a round discount based on the performance. So I'll take mm-hmm. that all day uh, for Muncie and, and and get him in the early 100s range. Uh, Jose Altuve. Now we know that his regular season was awful, but he ended on a high note. Well, at least offensively, his, his playoff defense <laughs> it tells what another story. I, I I I don't know some yips. I mean, it was it was brutal. Um, but he hit just two nineteen. If I you know if I told you, if all the new, only news I gave you was that Mar, uh, that Altuve underperformed severely, you know, give his line. I think your batting average for him would still be like two forty five, two fifty. Be like, okay, you know, he, he had, might not he have been never the power. Hit. Below two, what two ninety in a full season? Yeah, and even his rookie year, uh, fifty seven games was two seventy six. So yeah, if I if, if only news I gave you was that he cratered and he just didn't just didn't do well enough uh, against expectations for fantasy folks, I still think guessing his line, somebody would have put his batting average quite a bit higher than the two nineteen. So that was brutal. Five homers. Two stolen bases, two for five on the bases after last year's six for 11. I think there's a case that uh, speed component in Altuve's game is gone as we know it. Like I said, bounced back nicely in the playoffs, though. Popped five homers um, in those last two rounds there against Oakland and Tampa Bay. There were two games against Minnesota, if you want to call that a round. Uh, but five homers, 11 ribbies, and uh, 0 for 2 on the bases. So, again, stop running. But uh, got back on track without a doubt there. Ends on the high note. How does that affect everything from where you are on Altuve and, and how you're valuing him going into 21 now? Oh, It's hard because Altuve is a guy that I've always loved. And uh, I didn't get him on any teams this last year uh, in, in 2020. Uh, and grateful got for that. saved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not necessarily. Just uh, I was targeting different players. And I think this will likely be the same. Like, if I don't get one of the guys that we've talked about already, uh, minus Marte, um, I'm probably going to wait. I just don't yeah. think there is that I'm huge go to of a difference. Group. Yeah. 
Muncie's kind of that that cutoff point for mm-hmm. me too, and I agree with you, except Marte. Uh, but the other seven, um, I'll be I'll be eyeing one of them. But if for some reason it doesn't work out, then hit me on the next group that we're going to get to here in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feels so um, let's talk McNeil then, Jeff McNeil. Now he had a really interesting season. If you didn't follow this, if you didn't have him anywhere, if you just missed how this went, he went into I want to say September. Let me get the exact date. Uh, I think it was September with zero. Yeah, it was actually the second week in September almost that he got to with zero homers. As of September 5th, he was hitting 289, 349, 386. Not not much of a split there between his OBP and slugging because he had literally zero homers. He hit four in a row. Six, seven, eight, nine. uh, Two against Philly, two against Baltimore. But that's it. He just popped his four homers and said, okay, I got to go back to not hitting homers. Uh, ends up with a 311, 383, 454 line. Perfectly capable, but definitely a power dip from what we saw last year. And remember, he was getting a lot of kudos for the power that he displayed in 19 um, because he came in as somebody where it wasn't that expected, except our own Alex Chamberlain was pretty big on him and believed that he could hit for some punch. That punch completely fades all the way back to what we saw in 18 in a brief stint, similar to this. Uh, it was 63 games where he had a 142 ISO. This is 52 games with a 142 ISO. So who's the real guy? The guy who did a 214 ISO for 567 plate appearances or the guy who's a 142 for uh, 457 plate appearances? Oh, I. And who's going to be 29 next year, by the way? Let me inter- interject that before you answer. I, I hope there was an injury, and that's not something I often say. Yeah. Because if there wasn't, then this is not good. Like, it's his hard hit percentage, 5th percentile, exit velocity, 16th percentile, barrel percentage, 8th percentile. He played 52 games, so it would have to be an injury, like nagging stuff uh-huh. that he was playing through for Jeff McNeil, because otherwise it's not Yeah, so I tend to lead... Miss time. Yeah, he's going to drop a bunch of my ranks. <laughs> Thankfully, I haven't posted it yet because, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, That's why I do the first one and kind of talk through it. Now, he had in early August uh, that cost him a few days tightness in the lower back. And then a couple of days after that, about a week after that, he had a bruised left knee. Now, either of those could have lingered and been an issue. You can make that case, but we don't know. And. I, I don't know. We got we to get Eno on the case. He usually draws this out of players uh, in the offseason to find out <laughs> where they were. But, you know, it it was certainly weird. And then he just hits the four in a row and then goes right back to to nothing for the power. So I don't know on McNeil. And, again, I'm just going to reiterate the point we made on Altuve. I'm just not paying for him when there's so many other guys I like beyond this uh, at this point. What do you think you'd project him for next year in a full season? How many how many homers? Uh, 12. Oh, so you're really down on the power. Yeah. I think closer to like 16 to 18, but that's still down from... He hit 23 in 133 games, so that's a full season pace that, that runs pretty high. Um, so he's still a good average guy for sure, but there's no real speed... To talk about there, you know, he's 12 for 21 in his career. He was 0 for 2 in, in 2020. Um, so you're looking at really batting average and decent 
counting categories. The is Mets he even a, a starter for the Mets? And that I mean, with if you know, obviously we think the DH is coming. Um, yeah, and so that would give him the spot. But we no, also... he, he definitely is. Uh, you're talking about like over with Jimenez and, and Rosario there and J.D. Davis and then the outfield that they have with Dom Smith emerging. Mm-hmm. McNeil has to start. I Does know he's he? currently not listed to. Yes. I I mean, I think the Mets, you know, could be spenders. Uh, you know, new owner, has got a I ton of I'm money. Um, I think on anything. I, what, what are they... What, what do they have space in the if, they, if they're adding a DH, then couldn't they it's be re- a Nelson re- Cruz type? Oh, God, that'd be so mad. That'd be so stupid. I mean... They, they don't need that. All, all, of their, all of their spending, insofar as they go spending, should be pitching. I, I agree, but there's only so much, you know, elite pitching out there. I understand. I and mean, not everybody can sign Trevor Bauer. I know, but uh, you know, there's a chance that Stroman takes his 19 milli for the qualifying offer. Yeah, I don't um, know if he's gonna. I mean, he should. He probably should, but I mean, he also. I like him. You don't think he's, he's gonna get a long term? I mean, it sounds like Gosman will take the qualifying offer, as he one jillion percent. Yeah, should. and then you've got guys like. Porcello, Wainwright, Smiley, Morton. So if you're offered, if you're offered, if you're Stroman, you're offered three forty-eight. Do you take that instead of the one nineteen? I mean, I don't. Um, but yeah, it's hard because I mean, if we if we're getting a full season, plays a huge role because it's you know you're less likely to want to take that qualifying offer if you think you're only going to get a sixty-game season, right? Yeah. So, or even a hundred game season, because then you're looking at, well, I'm I'm only getting what eleven, you know, or twelve million of that, uh, was opposed to being able to go sign that longer term deal and maybe backload it. Um, so yeah, I mean, but they're really, I mean, I think we assume there will be more pitching on the market. Uh, great episode of, of Rates and Barrels with Eno and uh, and Derek. Uh, and uh, Brittany Giroli, um recently where they talked a little bit about what the season might, uh, or the offseason might look like. Um, and guys like Sean Manaya could be out, you know, getting on tendered. And uh, so definitely, definitely go check that out um, because they know more than me in terms of, or, you know, and you know, <laughs> knows more than me in terms of like those kind of, uh, those kind of guys who might be available. But, I mean, the pitching market isn't as thick as the hitting market. No, 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 it's definitely not that flush. Again, I just, I don't know, man. I, I really don't think that they need to be putting their resources into But they have unlimited with... resources. They've got, like, they've got the richest owner in baseball. But you're on unlimited spots. Like, are you going to put J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil on the bench? Such a waste. They're not young. Yeah. I, you know, and you can't you can't sit Cano because he's making that money, and he's performing really well. By the Do way, we know he had a who's fantastic even a manager. Season. I mean, Carlos Beltran coming back. Oh, I have that, no idea. They should. They should. <laughs> they should. I mean, they, Red Sox did it. So I don't know, man. Uh, obviously, we're going to be down on McNeil though, just based on how we feel about the position at large. But you have concerns about his playing time, and I know that he's not starting currently in the roster resource lineup. If 
if and when the DH is settled, I think Dom Smith or J.D. Davis are both candidates to move there with McNeil playing the field. Not that he's a stud fielder, but I think he's better than both of them pretty clearly. Um, actually, I don't know how good Dom Smith's defense is, so I don't want to speak to that. But I know J.D. Davis is, is not very good. Let's move on to Jonathan VR. Disappointment City, dude. Holy smokes. And I really only put him in this grouping because the ADP still has him up here. Um, and that is completely speed-based, clearly. But he did have 16 stolen bases. Uh, 232, 301, 292 is horrific. But 16 steals. He had more steals than he did runs or ribbies. <laughs> 15 ribbies, 13 runs, 16 steals. Two homers split between Miami 16 and steals Toronto. Is a lot, 16 steals is a butt ton, dude. He was caught five times. Imagine if he hadn't been the, caught. The problem with him is he's a free agent. Yes, and so we don't know where he's going to go or anything. Uh, what what are we doing with a 30-year-old Jonathan VR? Kind of off my draft list right now until I know uh, where he's going to end up. because He could feasibly play somewhere where he's not a starter. Now, he, I can yeah. see him not being a starter. You're talking about McNeil now. I, I think McNeil's going to play. I don't know if VR's going to play, man. He, he's, they stopped playing him in Toronto after a while. They're like, okay, well, we acquired you, and you kind of suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i just i don't know where he's gonna end up and that that becomes uh very concerning in terms of uh uh what his usage could be mm-hmm. you know is he gonna be a gerard dyson type where he you know maybe playing half of the games uh he doesn't even have the defense for that though that's i get what you're saying about the, the I mean, he's useful the because purposes. he can play in so many spots Yes, like yes. that. So that be that that utility. Yeah, so I mean, he, you know, the hard part too, though, is without a DH in the National League, like you don't have to worry about double switches or, or you know, and because he's not good defensively, he's not going to come you mean in with late. a DH. Because yeah, 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 because that doesn't get him into mm-hmm. games more naturally. So yeah, I, my initially I was like, oh, I think he's like a top fifteen second baseman, but I, I don't think he's a top. 22nd baseman until we know where he's going to land. That's fair. VR still finished 23rd ahead of both McNeil and Albies on the player Raider. Those steals were doing a lot of work. They were doing all the work. And of course, uh, Albies with the missed time is is the big difference there. But uh, the fact that he was ahead of McNeil is kind of funny. I think, Um, and this is something we're going to, or at least I'm going to continue to mention throughout you know, throughout some of these early, early positional previews is the guys that aren't like studs or really, really, you know, very good MLB talent that we know we're going to sign. If they're not on a team, um, in early drafts, if you're drafting in November, December, or January, like, I'm just not going to touch those guys. Um, board. Yeah. Yep. Unless, unless there's just a huge discount and then you take the chance. But I mean, we and saw here. Yeah, we saw Yasel Puig get huge discounts and people being stoked that they got him where they got him outside the top 200 picks. Yep. And he he never played a game. He signed and then didn't sign and then, and then and never played COVID, a game. Yeah. yeah so. imagine, imagine if he'd have been with Atlanta, by the way. that Think about how nice that would have actually been. I'm just shocked that nobody... Dude. Blown away by it. Like, he was not amazing in 19, but he was, like, perfectly average... 
He was awesome from a fantasy standpoint. Twenty four mm-hmm. homers, nineteen steals, with a two sixty seven average. Uh, but you add it all up, it was a it was a ninety nine OPS plus. And by all um, accounts, like a great teammate. Like I, well I know regarded. he's brash, like, but Granky's the only one that hates him. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I just don't understand that. Not a single team thought that they could use Yasiel Puig last year. I I, I do not get it. I, I just do not get it. Um, that made no sense to me. But yeah, you're. I mean, VR could be some one of the, one of those guys that just lingers and lingers and lingers, and it just uh, he doesn't get signed. So I'm with you. Pretty much off the draft board, unless a big discount comes, and that discount is not there. Early on in the two early mocks, he went 135. He went as high as 99. Now that was the clear outlier. Uh, there was a 99 and a 104, and then everything else. Looks like it was, <clears throat> excuse me, 130 or later, and six of them were 140 or later. So there were a few outliers there on the high end for VR, but I don't even know if the 140 is a good enough discount for me. Um, the 140, p is a guy we're actually not going to get to here because we're going to finish with this with this last guy, Mike Moustakis, but uh, Jake Cronenworth has a 141 p and I'm taking him 100 out of 100 times over VR. So... I don't know. I don't see much for VR for me. We'll see where he lands and, and go from there. But let's finish with Mike Moustakis here. And uh, he was kind of bland. Got the job done to a degree. I, I, you know, it was 44 games, so he missed some time. 230, 331, 468 with eight homers. A little chip and steal there uh, for funsies. He was 35th at the position, uh, sandwiched between Jose Altuve and Adam Frazier. You know, the, these player rater rankings are hilarious for the 60-game for the season, by the way. Um, you know, I expected more out of him. We all expected more out of the Cincinnati offense as a whole. It just did not perform, and, and Moose underperforming was part of that. He, he, this is one of those ones where it's like, eh, he wasn't killing you, but he certainly wasn't giving you the, the full experience that you had expected. Where do you stand on Moustakis coming into 21? Uh, I like Moustakis. I think uh, he should bounce back uh, to kind of the guy that he has been, which is, you know, high 20s, low 30s with potential more home runs, uh, 250 batting average. I just, you know, I I think that there's so many things that worked against him. Uh, You know, he had that with the COVID scare. Like, yeah, he didn't get COVID, but he... Was put on the COVID IL for a few days uh, in new, you know, new environment. Um, I, I think I'm just going to kind of give him a pass, and uh, I mean, he's not, he's not young, but he's not like super old. We're not, you know, he's 32, so uh, I think he'll be late, fine. I think I think he's, you know, prime. yeah, you know, like not not quite as prime anymore, but just like like right at the tail end. A there. team that I think is going to be good offensively. Uh, I think they're going to rebound. Like, they can't be this mm-hmm. bad again, I don't think. Not with the personnel that they have. And the fact that they may continue to add. Like they, That's a team that certainly shouldn't take their foot off the pedal completely. No, they, they're another one of these teams that... like I think they're going to re-sign Bauer. Like, I, just, I think that's where Bauer wants to be. Um, but he also wants... Really smart if they did, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think uh, he just has to, you know, in order to get... The, the price he wants, whatever it is for a one-year. Like, I, he should sign a seven-year deal with opt-outs every year. 
oh my god that'd be that's what I, it, just it, the threat of uh, yeah I, I still don't think he's gonna sign a mega deal though it's it's not gonna be the one year that he talked about but i think it's gonna be still more of like a three to four year deal and um because i think he wants to be a multiple time free agent but we'll see we'll see how that goes uh but yeah moose three round discount off of last year sign me up for it i'm mm-hmm. here for it yeah um all right well, that's gonna wrap us up here um because if we went to this next group, it'd be, we'd be another hour. Because mm-hmm. this is a really interesting group of on-the-rise players that we'll start off with on Thursday. Uh, there's a billion guys left. We will not talk about every single one individually. We'll have to start to trim it down. But this first group, the on-the-rise with Cronenworth, Dylan Moore, Tommy Edmund, Nick Madrigal, Nick Solak, Gavin Lux, Andres Jimenez, Garrett Hampson, Ty France. We will talk about every one of those guys at least. And then the the final two, three categories We'll be we'll be more uh, choosy about what we do there, but uh, second base, man, super deep. And you know what? Credit to Brad Johnson; he was on mm-hmm. this in the 2020 season. As much as it how pains us was. to say that, you know, we we hate to give him credit, but you, you got to be got to be intellectually honest. And you know what, Brad, you were on it, bud. And uh, he, he was saying, guys, take a look at how deep this is. He was right; super, super deep. And it got deeper as the season went along, so it made him more right as as the season progressed. Uh, and so, as long ahead. as we're saying things that we you know uh, regret having to say, uh, I, I do have to uh, retract and apologize for something I said on the last episode. I made a, a quick mention of Evan White not being good uh, or very good defensively this last year. He goes on wins a Gold Glove, and <laughs> a ton of people. Uh, some, decimated. Yeah, some decimated me. Some were very nice and slid in my DMs and said, hey, take a look at this. Hey, took it, take a look at that. Um, and, uh, you know, I was wrong. And uh, when I'm wrong, I want to admit it. So that way people yeah. don't think I'm one of those guys that. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I was wrong. Uh, and I apologize to Evan White because I know he's a loyal listener. Uh, he is. Great yeah, guy. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I said uh, in the in the the comment section, which I don't necessarily read super often. You can always hit me up on Twitter um, or or on Facebook uh, Messenger or something like that. But uh, I just happened to see it, and I was like, I think I think you'd want to see this one because mm-hmm. I'm uh, you're we're similar. Where you know we we hate being wrong and admitting we're wrong, but that doesn't mean we won't admit it. We just hate that yeah. we're like we miss something. We're like, God damn it, that sucks. But when it's an egregious miss, mm-hmm. we're gonna own it. And and so you're you're owning that, and you know, I didn't know he was that good defensively. That's why I didn't give a, an aggressive pushback. I was just, I think I just kind of was going in the moment of like, it, it was an offhanded comment too. You didn't like break down his defense and be like, no, Evan White sucks. You just said, and his defense is is and challenged. That's the hard the hard part about defensive metrics is some, first base. Yeah, some defensive metrics will say one thing and then another thing will say a completely different thing i mean yep. alex gordon just won a gold glove so i he mean won the plat glove oh my god <laughs> so um you know i mean uh and I, I mean i watched a fair amount of mariners games and i just didn't see him you know be like stellar but uh, i apparently was wrong and so i will take my l there and apologize and take it back so that way it's very big of you uh well, no, I mean, you know, it's also a learning experience for me. So, yeah. you know, I, I get to go and been watch there. more Evan White. Yeah, been, been there for sure. You know, they, they get in the comments and like, hey, you were dead ass wrong on this. I say, you know what? I sure was. Mm-hmm. So it happens. Um, and I appreciate y'all keeping us honest on that. We talk a lot. and We do an hour at a time, sometimes longer. 
we're bound to uh, botch some things. So definitely keep us honest. Always, always appreciate mm-hmm. that. We'll be back Thursday talking more second baseman. Until then, Justin, take care and stay warm, buddy. Take it easy.